Amen. Well, if you're new with us this morning, my name is Misael, and I'm the pastor here. And you came at a great time. Uh, we are beginning to do this thing called uh, being a bilingual family of faith, where our church, as one, we are a church that speaks both languages, English, y luego Español, and then also Spanish. And so right after this, we'll have a service at 1230 that we've been uh, beginning, and so it's just super cool. So you came at a great time, and I just hope you know that we want, do want to be a family. We do want to be a people who love each other well, who support each other well, and that's who we want to be. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our series in the book of Nehemiah. And so if you are someone who loves to take notes, I'm going to give you the title this morning for the message. The title is this. There it is. Reconstruct How to Belong. Reconstruct How to Belong. That's the, the title for us this morning. And we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 10. So once you write down, you know, reconstruct how to belong, you can begin to go to Nehemiah chapter 10. So I just want to bring something to your attention as you write that down, as you flip to Nehemiah chapter 10. What we did this morning is just highlight how there is a people, a hundred and something people, and then 13 people here. And then we saw a testimony from Candace of saying, I want to commit myself to belong to this family of faith. I want to belong to this local church. But there is a reality that way before they ever stepped foot here, way before they ever committed to belonging to this local church, they belonged to the global church, the worldwide universal church. Whenever they were adopted into the family of God, whenever they put their faith and trust in Jesus and they were transformed and born again. Now, some of you, I just said that statement, and you're like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, you just spoke a whole lot of gibberish. And some of you are like, hey, that makes a lot of sense. Well, practically, just to, to put it very simply, is that whenever we recognize that God has created the world and that we are sinners, that we need to repent before God and that we need to confess our heart and our sin to him, and then we put our faith and our trust in him, he, he changes us. And not only does he change us, but he like brings us into his family and he says, hey, I'm, I'm your God and, and, and you are mine. So very simply, that's practically what I said just a moment ago is that you belong to God, and God belongs to you when you put your faith and trust in him. And there's this aspect about belong or belonging that really fascinates me, that all of us, ever since we were like tiny little humans, have had this longing to belong. I don't know if you noticed it, like even the little guys, are like, or little girls as well, they're like, man, I just want to be a part of something, or man, I just want to be a part of that group or, or, that, or that friend group or those people. Like, I just want to fit in. I just want to belong. And this longing to belong drives us to do a couple of things. Um, one of the things it drives us to is that it, it drives us to maybe find belonging in other people or in other humans. You see, I don't know if you remember this song. It's kind of like an early 2000s by this singer you might know called Taylor Swift. And she wrote a song, You Belong With Me. So I don't know if you remember that song, early 2000s. Uh, we even have a picture of it just in case you want to uh, see a little album cover there. I don't know if you remember that, but you might have felt like Taylor Swift before, where it's like, man, I will find my belonging if you are mine and, and I'm yours. That's where I'm going to find belonging. Or maybe you've been this person where this whole longing to belong has driven you to find belonging in a place, maybe where you live, maybe in a city, a town, or a rural area. And so I don't know if you guys remember the 80s song for my people out there, the 80s song that was called, You Belong to This City by a famous person named Glenn Frey. I think I'm pronouncing that right. So we also have that. And uh, when I showed this to one of our church members, I was like, hey, do you know this song, You Belong to This City? Like, have you ever heard that before? She goes, of course. 
everyone watched Miami Vice. And I was like, okay. So I guess everybody did. I've never seen it, so I hope, I hope a lot of you have seen it. But all of us have this longing to belong, and we just express it in different ways. And so the question is, how do we belong? Where do we belong? Like, how do we truly belong? And, and, is, and is this place where we belong, or is it somewhere else, and whose are we? All those questions are valid questions, and we're actually going to see that in Nehemiah chapter 10. So go ahead, if you haven't turned there yet, Nehemiah chapter 10, and go ahead and open it up. We're going to look at it. And before we begin to read, two things. Number one, last week we were in Nehemiah chapter 9, where we saw how we are to reconstruct how to repent, where repentance is our loudest praise, because we have come face to face with God. We have come face to face with our sin. We have come face to face with the wrath, but also the mercy of God. And then we're going to see here, chapter 10, uh, just this whole covenant of God. And I'm going to be using this word covenant a lot. And so I just want to make sure we're all on the same page of what it means when I say covenant. Covenant is, is really this word that is uh, describing a binding agreement. This binding agreement between individuals and more specifically between God and people. And if we're honest, human beings are the worst at keeping agreements, are the worst at keeping their end of the bargain per se. And so we see that God makes an agreement, a binding agreement, a covenant with himself. And so we, we see all of this in um, Nehemiah chapter 10, but also, if you think about it, all throughout uh, the, the Bible. And so let's go ahead and stand up together and we're going to read Nehemiah chapter 10. And I'm not brave enough to read verses 1 to 27. <laughs> so I just want you to look at 1 to 27, those little verses, and I want you to look at the names and see how cool they are and pick a, a, a boy name or a girl name just in case, you, you, know, you know. Okay, so we're going to read verses 28 to 29 together. And then after I'm finished, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And you guys will say, praise be to God. That's just a tradition that we have. So starting in verse 28, it says this. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who were able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with the curse and an oath to follow the Lord of God, the, the law of God, given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And praise be to God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this chapter, there's this big main idea, this big thought that I, want, I just want you to capture. And I want you to write this down. It's this, is that in Christ, we belong. In Christ, we belong. That's the main idea, the main thought. So everything that I say, we can grab it and just take it back to that main idea. In Christ, we belong. In Christ, we belong. And so we just read verses 28 to 29, but we are going to be looking at 28 to 31, and I'll read the rest of it here in a moment. But if we're trying to explain what's happening between verses 28 to 31, here's how uh, I, would, I would kind of describe it, and it's this. A recommitment to God's covenant. A recommitment to God's covenant. This is what we see in, in these verses, this whole recommitment. And we have to remember that 
In chapter 9, you had Israel, that they were repenting and repenting, and now this is the practical response of Israel's repentance. Now they're saying, okay, how are we practically going to do this? Because in chapter 8, man, we heard Ezra speak the law of God, preach the law of God. We were hearing that. Now we feel super convicted. We've been reminded of all the things we haven't been doing in the past, so now we have to do it. So all of this is just a practical response of saying, okay, we repent, now what? Now what are we going to do? And so through all of this, you see that the people say, okay, we're going to follow again. We're going to obey carefully all the commands and regulations and decrees of the Lord of our Lord, the Lord our Lord. And so all of this, you have Israel recognizing that they have failed their part of the agreement. They have failed their part of the covenant, which was to love the Lord, to love others to live in such a way that was holy of saying, yeah, you are the people of God. You are the people in which uh, the Lord has said, yeah, I am your God. And all of this, they're really repenting that they haven't kept the covenant that God made with them in Mount Sinai. And we have to just keep in mind what that covenant was, and I don't have all the time uh, to go through every little detail, but here's something that we do need to recognize, that if you go to Deuteronomy, you will see how the Lord just established himself as the God of the people of Israel. And saying, okay, I'm your God, and now because I'm your God, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to say. Here's how you're supposed to act. Because I've made disagreement with you, and now there's a part that you have to play. And so there's this whole covenant that we see going on, and again, they just, they fail the Lord. And so they say that together, that them as a collective group are coming back to recommit themselves to the Lord. And verse 29 is just, again, this whole summary statement. Of saying, Lord, we bind ourselves. That's what it says, that they bind themselves with the curse and with the oath to follow the Lord, to obey him. It's this whole thing. And then we go down to verse 30. So if you look at verse 30, it starts with we promise. And then we have all these declarations of we promise, we promise, we promise. And there's three things that they kind of do. They say we promise not to give what we are not to give. We promise to give what we need to give. And then we promise to do what you've asked us to do. And so we see that in all summary, and so I'll start reading it, verse 30. It says, We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. Verse 31, When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forgo working the land and will uh, cancel all the debts. Again, you see that they promise and they say, we promise, we promise, we promise. In all of this, there is no question the declaration that Israel is making. There's no question of what they're doing, that they are separating themselves from something, from the old, separating themselves from the world, and then walking to, walking towards the new, walking to and towards something that is holy and righteous in the sight of the Lord. And so as we look at all of this, not only do we see that there's no question of the declaration that they're making, but there's also no question who's making the declaration. Remember those verses 1 to 7? I said I'm not brave enough to read. Those are all the people that signed their name and said, yeah, 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 we're the ones making that declaration. Yeah, we're the ones who are saying this, that we promise, we promise, we have failed, we're going to do better. And it just reminds me of how within our church, um, our church membership, we actually ask people to sign a covenant as well. of saying, hey, this is what we believe. We want you to read it, and if you agree with it, then we want you to sign it. And so this is a little bit of that principle of where we get 
as a church of saying, okay, who is ours and who is not? Because by signing their name, verses 1 to 27, they declared, okay, this is who we are. This is our people. This is where we're going together. And so we just look at all of that. And then I also want you to keep this in mind. Everything that Israel is talking about has to do with the works. Works and works. The Old Testament is a works-based covenant. It's a works-based covenant. And then the New Covenant, which we'll look at here in a minute, is a faith-based covenant. So I want you to write that down, that the Old Covenant was a works-based covenant, and then the New, co- the new Covenant is a faith-based covenant. As you write that down, I, I do I want to make sure you understand that whether it's the Old Covenant or the New Covenant, it's all about the Lord. It's all about the Lord. Everything that you see here is, all, is just all telling us that it's all about him and it's humanity that benefits from that. It's all about the Lord and glorifying him and giving him all the praise and all the glory. But the, the, the humanity benefits from him because of his love for us. And I just don't want you to miss that now that we are in the new covenant because of Jesus... We're no longer in a works-based covenant, a faith-based covenant, because God initiated this new covenant through Jesus. And now check this out. He initiated the new covenant with Jesus, that Jesus wrote the covenant with his life. He signed the covenant with his death and with his blood. And then he absolutely established it and stamped it with his resurrection of saying, yeah, I will fulfill this covenant myself. And then with the Holy Spirit, he stamped his approval as well. The Holy Spirit, he sealed his covenant and saying, yeah, I am yours, you are mine, and this is how it works out. And I, and I point all of this to you because I think there's somebody here today that needs to remember that they can't do anything. They can't work hard enough. They can't love hard enough. They can't give enough to earn the love of God. There's nothing that you can work so hard at to impress God. There's nothing that you can do that's just so cool to measure up to how cool God is. There's not. Because we're not in a works-based covenant. We're in a faith-based covenant. There's nothing that you can do that would make God love you less. And there's nothing that you could do that can make God love you more. He loves you so much. He loves you enough. And, and I want to tell you this right here, that all God asks us to do is to repent from our sin and surrender all to him. And, and here's, the, here's the really cool part. Surrender everything to him because it's already his. We are to surrender all of what God has given us, given us because it's already his in the first place. He's saying, just come to me. If you have this longing to belong, just come to me. Just have this faith in me, believe in me, repent. Come to me because you will be fulfilled. Because in Christ... We belong. In Christ, we belong. And all of us are maybe have been trying to find belonging in someone else, in something else, in somewhere else. And we just have to remember that in Christ, we belong. He's saying, have faith in me. Look at me. And then what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't just tell us who we are and, and where we are, but where we need to go. And when, it talk, when we talk about Jesus, yes, Jesus comes to us where we are. Man, he loves us way too much to have us stay there. And so he's like, as my disciples, as people who now belong in me, as those who are now in Christ, 
those who have now been uh, adopted into my family and are part of that binding agreement, hey, guess what? It's time to grow. It's time to change. It's time to walk away from the old and step into the new. Why? Because you're a member of God's family. And as a member of God's family, there's some expectations here. As a disciple, there's some expectations here. As a child of God, as a representative of God, there's some expectations here. So now it's time to walk in those. And so I just want to make sure we understand that because it's not just a, okay, I'm saved and I can do whatever I want. Okay, now I'm transformed to do whatever I want. That's just not how it works. But we see this whole recommitment to God's covenant. So that's the first thing that we saw is a recommitment to God's covenant. So here's the second thing that we see. We see a realignment to God's covenant. So a recommitment to God's covenant and then a realignment to God's covenant. And we see this in verses 32 to 39. So I'm going to go ahead and read these for us, verses 32 to 39. And I'll probably just read verses 32 and 33 first. So it says this, We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths, at the moon feast, the new moon feast, and at the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. So it wasn't enough for Israel just to voice out a recommitment. It wasn't enough for them to just say, okay, God, we're recommitted. All right, cool. Catch you later. But they had to put their words into action. They had to say, okay, I'm not just going to recommit, but I'm going to absolutely realign myself and then go. I can't just say, okay, I've recommitted and keep walking where I've been going. It's time to recommit and do what you've asked me to do, to go where you've asked me to go, to be who you've asked me to be. Because just as we saw in the past couple chapters, obeying God's covenant is not just having the parties. If you remember chapter 7, chapter 8, when Israel found out that part of obeying the law of Moses, part of obeying God's law was to party and celebrate what God had done in the past, to commemorate, oh man, Lord, you've done so much in our life. But it's not just the party moments, but it's those really hard moments of like, okay, God, you've asked me to give this, you've asked me to give this, and you've asked me to do this. Oh, man, okay, Lord. Remember what I said at the beginning? It's not just the patio or the living room or the closet, but it's the whole house, the whole thing. And saying, okay, Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to live for you. And again, we have to remember that Israel was in this old covenant, that they, they found themselves <clears throat> in the best place possible. They found themselves so loved. They found themselves... Uh, in this moment of belonging, whenever they worked for the Lord, whenever uh, they were able to bring all these things each year to the Lord, that's where they found this belonging, because again, it was like a works-based covenant. Not in the sense that they had to earn God's love, but they had to atone for their sins. So if you look, it says right here that they had atoned for the sins of Israel, to make an atonement for Israel. And I say that word atonement, and some of you are like, Misael, what does that word even mean? What is this atonement word? Well, I'll be honest with you, it's a churchy word, but it's a biblical word, and it's a biblical word that simply means substitute or substitution. So when it says to make make uh, an atonement for Israel, it really means make a substitute for Israel because what had to happen ever since the beginning is that sin, for the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. 
And so what Israel had to do, just to remind you, is that every time, every year, every month, every week, the whole, the whole people of Israel had to sacrifice a perfect and pure uh, lamb, an innocent lamb, because their sins would transfer to the lamb. It would be sacrificed, and then the Lord would be satisfied because sin had now been sacrificed for. The payment of sin has now been made. But that's the old covenant. When we think about the new covenant, we think about the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God who was Jesus, the one who was blameless, the one who was perfect, the one who is without sin. He, this perfect Lamb, came to us, and it's just so cool. When we look at the cross, he who had no sin became sin for us. It was like this, this beautiful exchange where he took all of our sin and all the wrath of God was poured on him. And then he says, if you look at me, if you trust me, if you believe in me, if you have faith in me, man, you will also be clean. You will also be cleansed. Because Jesus, he himself, God Almighty, was our substitute. So because of Jesus, we no longer need to come together right now and say, okay, hey, uh, you bring the lamb and you bring the dove and all right, you bring the knife. All right. Let's, yeah. We just don't do that anymore. Because of Jesus. And because of his sacrifice, man, for all of eternity, we look at him and we are cleansed. We are his. We belong with him. And I just want to give you some fun facts throughout this whole, uh, this chapter of 32 to 39. And I want you to just skim it real quick. Skim it with me. And if you notice, you can circle each year three times. So it mentions each year three times. And then depending on, on which translation of the Bible you're using, Eight or nine times, it talks about the house of God, the Lord's house, or the temple. So the house of God, the Lord's house, or the temple. So you just look at that. It's just, it's just fascinating. And as you see this, for Israel to enjoy God, and we're about, we're about to make this super personal, by the way, so just get ready. In order for Israel to enjoy God, they had to sustain the ministry of the temple. In order for them to enjoy God, they had to sustain the ministry of the temple because that's where the sacrifices happened. Okay? So remember, we're, we're not in the old covenant anymore. We're in the new covenant. But if we look at Israel, they were responsible for the upkeep of the temple. Okay? They were responsible to making sure it was, it was good, that it was all taken care of. And without the upkeep of the temple... The relationship with God would, would deter. The relationship with him would kind of you know, do this. Well, because we're in the new covenant, when we are in Christ, we belong, which means if we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And where does the Holy Spirit dwell? In us. And the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're about to get a little personal here. If Israel had to upkeep the temple, what does that mean for us? If now we are the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells, how is your upkeep? How, how, how is it? Are you upkeeping the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells? Like, are, are we confessing to the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, yeah, this is, this is where I'm not good. Are we... Yes, we have been cleansed by Jesus when we were transformed and born again, we were saved. But man, are we constantly running to God's word, 
to be cleansed each and every day. Because there's this word called sanctification. This word that really means that each day we are needing the Lord, we're needing the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. So how's your upkeep? Because if we think about it, it might probably not be that good. And that's probably why you feel like your relationship with the Lord is being deterred. And that's probably why you feel this whole separation thing. Because, yes, it's Jesus who's done all the work. He's accomplished the work. The finish is, I mean, the work has been finished. But those who are in Christ carry a certain responsibility. And that's kind of what I'm challenging you with right now. Because when I was reading this, and I made that question to myself, I was like, oh my goodness, okay, Lord. How is my upkeep? What, do I, what, I am, what am I doing, Lord, to run to you, to find belonging in you? So we've seen a, a, a recommitment to, the, to God's covenant. We've seen a realignment to God's covenant. We made some things a little personal, yes, but what's the big takeaway? Like, what's the big application for us where we can walk away? Like, we already have the main idea where if someone asks us during lunch, hey, what did you learn today in church? And you can say, well, in Christ, we belong. Cool. But in our hearts, what are we taking with us in private to say, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do in light of this passage. Here it is. It's a statement, and you might like it, you might not, but it's true. It's not about me. It's not about you. And the reason I wrote it like this, it's not about me, because I was like, well, I don't want to say you, because I want to include myself in that. And so you can write that down and say, Lord, it's not about me. When we look at all of this passage, we see that it's all about the Lord, that all the upkeep of of the temple was all about the Lord. Even at the very beginning of the things that they promised that they were not going to give, that they were going to give, that they were going to do, is all about the Lord. You see, the point of, of Israel's heart of trying to recommit and to realign themselves, the point is the Lord. The Lord is the point. Because even at the beginning, we see that the Lord is the point of marriage. The Lord is the point of, of the Sabbath. The Lord is the point of being able to take care and upkeep the worship of the temple. The Lord is the point for the reason why Jesus came in the first place. The point of, the Lord is the point of heaven. You are not the point of heaven. The Lord is the point of heaven. The Lord is the point, and it's not about you, and it's not about me. And I know that's really hard to swallow sometimes, and so I do want to just say this. This doesn't mean that you should have a low self-esteem. This doesn't mean that you should let yourself go and whatever that means. Because again, we are the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. We are made in the image of God. You are beautiful. You are handsome. You are. But in all reality, we should treasure God way more than we treasure ourselves. We should treasure God way more than we would ever treasure our friends. We should treasure God, and this is hard. Like for me, as a Latino, Mexicano, Hispano, Mexican, this is hard. I need to treasure God more than I treasure my family. And that, my friends, is so hard for me to swallow because my family's so tight-knit. My mom's sitting right there with my two little brothers. 
And I say that with just all sincerity, is that I am to treasure God more than anything, more than all the stuff, because I'm just so thankful for the Lord that he has provided mercy and kindness to me. I don't remember the reference, so maybe can, someone can help me out. But you know that reference in, in the scriptures where it talks about that God's mercies are new every morning? Lamentations. Thank you. Have you ever thought about why? Like, why are God's mercies new every morning? That's, that's a really good question for us. It's a really good question because if I need God's mercy and it's new every morning... I mean, God's need, God needs a lot of mercy on me. That means I need a good, clean restart every single day. And so here's, here's kind of my final question for us. What would, what would change in us, or what would change about us, if we truly understood these things? If we truly understood that in Christ, we are priests. In Christ, we are evangelists. In Christ, we are ambassadors. In Christ, we are disciples. In Christ, we are made holy. In Christ, we are made righteous. In Christ, we are sons of the King. In Christ, we are daughters of the King. In Christ, we belong. What would change in us and about us if we understood that in Christ, we belong? So I just want to take a moment and uh, just give you a moment to respond to the Lord. Uh, give you a moment to sit with him and, and to pray and say, okay, Lord, I've heard your word. Okay, Lord, I, I've heard Nehemiah 10. And maybe you need to just take a moment to, to either ask for repentance or say, Lord, I just want to belong with you. As you pray, maybe you find yourself being that person who still thinks you're in the old covenant and you have to work for God's love and you have to work for your salvation and you have to work to be transformed. And maybe the Lord's revealing that to you and you're saying, Lord, man, that is just not true because you have already done all the work through Jesus and you just asked me to, to repent and put my faith in you. And you are so faithful to forgive and make me new. Whereas you pray, maybe you're that person who knows and understands that you are in the new covenant. But it's time to realign yourself. And a realignment means an adjustment. And saying, okay, Lord... My understanding that if I am in Christ, I belong, it changes, changes so much, and I just needed a good reminder. Lord, help me.
Lord, thank you so much for the breath in our lungs. Thank you so much, Lord, for everything that has happened for us to get in this moment right here. Lord, I praise you and I love you and and thank you for the mercies that you give us. Lord, thank you that you do adopt us into your family. Lord, we treasure that so much. But Lord, you also challenge us so much. You challenge us to be your ambassadors, your disciples. God, I pray that you'd help us to do that personally and also as a church. That we would understand that when we are in Christ, it changes everything. We belong. We're part of family of faith. Lord, we trust you, we love you, we praise you, and I pray that you continue to speak to us as your word sits in our hearts, as your song sits in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together and respond to the Lord.